Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Jennifer Jade Alvarez. She is a salon owner, a salon business coach who helps stylists to launch new salon businesses, as well as the host of her own podcast, The Beauty Business Game Changer. That is where I had the pleasure of meeting Jennifer. She had me as a guest on her podcast, and she is so amazing. I had to immediately invite her onto my podcast. So welcome, Jennifer. Awesome. Thank you so much, Elaine. I so appreciate you having me on your podcast. I love this. This is just so much fun. So fun. We connected right away. We have so much in common with this business of beauty that we are in. And you, as well as I, wear many hats within the industry. And I think that's what keeps it so very interesting. I can't imagine going into an office and working in a cubicle every day and doing the same thing every single day. I have so many family members who walk that walk and do that every day. And I'm just like, oh no, I could not possibly do that. So I love, love our industry. It keeps us always on our toes. It's forever changing. And I love that you have a podcast. You I'm sure we'll agree how amazing it is to meet people and connect this way and to hear other people's stories. So tell me about your story. I mean, you, you own a salon, you're also a coach, you also have the podcast. Where did all of that come from? Was it all at the same time? Was it, you know, one step led to the other? Tell us a little bit about Jennifer and your journey. It's a never ending journey (laughs) for sure. (laughs) You know, I went to beauty school during high school Thank God that my high school offered a great uh, trade school program because my mom and dad, bless their hearts, hardworking people, but we didn't have a ton of money. So beauty school cost my mom and dad $500. Wow. So that was a blessing. And so as soon as I graduated high school back in 2002, I started working right away in the industry. I just always knew I was passionate about doing hair and doing makeup. I just... I wanted to look really good and I wanted everybody else around me looking really good too. And it's, you know, as you know, it's just amazing what hair and makeup can do for people. And um, from there, I just really was so eager to be successful. And I know that success is defined differently for each person, but in the beginning stages, I thought success meant to have a great education and um, to get out of my small town. I grew up in a town of 1,400 people. And so I was very eager to get out of my town and do something and make something of myself. You know, I think that um, being in a small town too, I felt like choosing to do the beauty route, people were like, that's cute. That's good for you. How fun is that? And I was like, no, I'm going to make a lot of money and I'm going to be really talented at what I'm going to do. And, um, you know, I'm really going to focus on my education. And I think that I wanted to prove that to myself and kind of prove it to my, my town as well. Um, and that was a little bit of my motivator. When I got out of that small town, um, I came up to Naperville 
at, which is just outside of Chicago. And I had some great mentors. I had a great place that I worked at for 11 years. And I just always had my hands in something. You know, I did some platform work for a manufacturer company. I was doing photo shoots and fashion shows. I started educating the new interns that would get hired by this company. And I started doing freelance working and it just, you know, I never could stand to stay still. I always like was on the go and trying to figure out what's next. Um, I don't know if I'm just like ADD, if I get bored easily, I don't know, but I just never could stand still. And I knew that I always wanted to have like my own business. And so it, it all started back in like 2014 after I've gained the courage from having the right mentorship that I launched a on-location bridal company. Um, that gave me a lot of confidence to keep pushing forward and pursuing my dreams. And I had a falling out with the, the company that I was working for. And it, it literally forced me to start a salon suite. And, um, and then from there, it evolved to opening up a salon. So that's the short of the story. <laughs> I love that you mentioned I had the right mentorship because that's something that I talk about with other people who are in the education arena. Um, you and I had talked about the Chicago show and how they're going to be doing a couple of different things this year. Hopefully that the show is going to happen in person. And something that is a huge focus that we chatted about is the lack of mentorship. The, the newer stylists coming out of school are really adamant about skipping that step. You know, they don't want to be somebody's shampoo person that's like feels unappreciated and feels like they're just tearing foils, sweeping hair and kind of behind the scenes. And they're not realizing how much of a gift a really good mentorship can be. And it's a shame because there are salons that are you know, abusing assistants and not teaching them and just having them do their dirty work. But there's also people that have changed other people's lives by being a strong mentor. So I hope that there's a return to that soon. I hope that people realize, you know, they're, they're going right from school right into a suite. You spent 11 years working for someone else. You went on your own with the bridal, then you went into a suite. People are going right from school. Picture if you came out of high school and went right into a suite, what that would look like. Oh, you know? I crash and burn. <laughs> and I think that's I, what's happening. Yeah. I think that, you know, mm -hmm. you see on the, on the forums, they'll be like, I'm so excited. I'm getting a suite. I want to keep all the money. And you and I as saloners are like, oh yeah, you'll get to keep all the money. You know, they, they don't realize <laughs> how many expenses are invisible when you are working at a larger salon and you show up and you do your client and you leave in your mind, you're like, oh, I got 50%. The salon got 50%. But when you break down what the salon truly sees, it's roughly, you know, it's under 20% profit. 20% profit as you're doing really well. Um, it's usually less than that by the time all the bills are paid. So I think there's going to be a lot of you know, people stretching to make it through that first year and then saying, I have to go and work somewhere else again and kind of working their way towards it again, where they would have gotten there sooner and better if they took the mentorship um, path. That's just my opinion. I think it's really yeah. important. I think that there, we're going to see a lot of different shifts happening in our beauty industry. And 
Oh my God, I, I could not imagine trying to launch a business without having the lead, leadership and the mentorship and that just that experience. Because um, when you are out on your own, you are wearing all the hats, you know, so it's not a, all about doing a great service, you know, color cut, whatever you're doing, you know, it's, there's so much more that is involved with that. And that just takes grooming. It takes time. And, you know, thankfully I had that mindset of, I'm going to find people that are doing it right and doing it really good. And I am just going to grab onto their coattails and travel along with them. And so, you know, God has blessed me with allowing that opportunity to happen for me. Otherwise, um, who knows? I don't, I don't think that I would be very far in this industry or even in the industry anymore because there's been multiple times where I felt like tossing the towel in because things weren't working out the way that I had visioned in my mind. So true. And, and it's so important what you touched on with be in the industry at all, that unfortunately is what is happening because there's extremes. There's the salon that says, you know, back when I was doing my training and, you know, showing my age here in the the late eighties, any salon that you applied to was happy to have you, but they made it perfectly clear on day one during the interview that you will not touch a single client for two years. They said it right out. You know, this is a long training program. We want you to make your mistakes on doll heads and on, you know, unpaid models that know what they're signing up for, that you're going to be cutting your teeth on these um, people that know they're, they're your guinea pig, you know, they're signing up for it. And I think it was smart to tell someone right away what to expect, but I also feel like it made that decision for some people to say, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go and make my mistakes and go behind a chair right away. I don't want to have to wait two years. Now you can't do that. You can't tell somebody right out of beauty school, oh, you're just going to be shampooing for two years. They're, they're going to go get another job. They're going to be a, an influencer and start a YouTube channel and do exercise and film themselves. You know what I mean? That's what we're competing with, that, that Insta fame and that instant dollar, people don't want to have to work their way towards anything, but it's like any art form, you know, you need that strong mentorship and you need to learn from your mistakes. Most of corrective color is a result of improper training that you didn't realize what you didn't know, or you wouldn't even have to know how to do corrective color because most corrective color is happening from a hairdresser doing it. It's not just people doing it at home that the mistakes are coming from. It's from other untrained colorists that, you know, thought that they knew more than they knew and didn't take the time and and be humbled enough to ask for the information. Yeah, well said. And, and to add to that, like, I, I could not imagine um, going, getting out of school and only doing the shampooing and, and blow drying for somebody. And I don't know how these companies are still able to sustain that type of mentorship in their companies, because I know myself, I would be so bored. And, and I understand that, you know, there is certain generations where instant gratification is super important to them. You know, they want to feel that they're valued, they're making a difference and that they are um, growing, you know, and I think that it's not that, you know, certain generations don't want to work. I think that they have different ideas of, in their mind of how they can do it maybe easier, 
or even faster. And I think that it's important to just be open-minded to all sorts of different ideas, you know, as a business owner um, and a, a leader and people, and I'm training people right now, you know, I have, to, I cannot be closed-minded. I can't just do it this one way. Otherwise I, I might miss an opportunity that I don't clearly see just yet. I agree. And I think in the last five years, it was, you would go to an industry event and a lot of what you heard from the more seasoned people with 30, 40 years experience was the eye roll of this new generation, oh, this new generation, this, this new generation, that. But what I've been able to sift through is learning from them. They will not not have work-life balance. Like that's something that we need to learn from these younger generations. They don't want to work a 12-hour day. They don't want to not have a lunch break. They don't want to work every Saturday and not have a life. And they're setting themselves up right out of the gate. They don't, they don't buy into that, oh, I'm the new person. I'm the low man on the totem pole. I have to do X, Y, Z. They're like, no, I don't. You know, so I'm a little envious of how they're starting right out and saying, no, you know, I'm not going to work on your head for three hours and charge you $100. I'm going to charge you $400. Like they have more um, bravery around their pricing and what they will um, stand for as far as like boundaries and things that I didn't learn about until I was 50 years old. So there's a lot that can be learned from this new generation. But I also think on the flip side, I think that they think, oh, if I just put a pretty picture on Instagram, people are going to bang down my door and come find me. And I don't have to really get proficient in certain skills because I can take a really great picture and filter the hell out of it. Like there's a little bit of that too. So I think there needs to be a happy medium where it's quality work and not or. Yeah. And you know, in beauty school, I don't think that they stress enough that building a business is not easy. Clients are not going to be, you know, saying, oh, Jennifer, we're so excited to get our hair done by you. They, they don't know me. They don't know me yet. And so that does take time to do. And, and they're, you know, right away, you have to put certain things um, as a priority, like guest experience, um, in order to make sure that you are bringing in the, the right people, you know, because your skills are still, you're still trying to hone in on them and you're going to make mistakes. I mean, I still make mistakes on here, you know, so it's just something that we, we have to face. Absolutely. And because you, your niche as a business coach is helping people to open salons. Is it hard for you now in this climate to be jazz hands excited for someone who wants to start on that journey when you see how much the industry has changed? I would imagine as a coach, it's like you, as a coach, you want to set them up for success. So you want to tell them the realities of it, but you also don't want to be Debbie Downer the way that you see on some of the forums where, you know, someone will write, I'm opening a salon. What's your top piece of advice? And every person says, don't. <laughs> it's almost every other answer is don't. And I'm like, it's, you know, you're being funny, but you're not because that really is the reality. It is so different. I mean, I had two different salons. At one point I had both together. So I started the one in 1989 at 22 years old. And my business plan was 
I tend to bar. I shoved all my crinkly, smelly bills into a bucket. I dumped them on the table. I had the furniture guy come and I said, how much furniture can I afford? That was my business plan. And there's something beautiful about that, that I had no fear because I didn't even realize how naive I was saying all I needed was furniture. You know, that was like uh-huh. the big, oh, can I afford that fancy Takara Belmont chair? Um, and then with the second salon, it was, I bought the building. So that was more skin in the game, different types of mortgages because it was a commercial building. You know, I, I often say I learned by the school of hard knocks. I didn't go to college. I learned as I got my knees scraped up and got beat up, I learned lessons along the way. But for me to now try and coach someone the way that you are saying, welcome to this wonderful world of salon ownership, I think I would be the negative Nelly. So how do you not take on that, um, you know, giving more precaution and more um, hazard than excitement and drive for the project. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking that. You know, I, you know, I, I have been battling my whole life, I think around fear, you know, fear of failure, fear of making mistakes, um, fear of the what ifs, right? And I think that we can be our worst critic. We can um, be our worst demon as far as living our life to the fullest and and reaching our fullest potential, right? And so it came to a point where I said, I would rather um, I would rather open up a salon and fail than die and not have had the, the chance to explore that avenue in my life. So I went in it knowing that, could this fail? Yeah, certainly. I mean, that, that could be for anything. But I think that it's really important to remember like why you are doing this. And for myself, I would say that I get emotional thinking about this because it's been such a long journey for myself getting to where I am. And I know that if people have the right leadership, the right mentorship, the right guidance, they can get there faster and less pain. Mm -hmm. And I just think to myself, like my, myself 10 years ago, if I could just like wake that person up and just shake them and be like, you can do this. You have this. And that's why I want to coach other people. I'm going through the motions as it is right now. And believe you me, it was a struggle last year of 2020 being positive. However, I felt like it's been instilled in me that it's my job to step up and use platforms to tell other people that you got this, you can do this. Nothing is impossible because if other people are doing it, then that means that you can do it as well. But it is important, though, that you have the right strategies in place um, and that you are always remembering the why you're getting into this into the first place Um, and thinking about the impact that you really want to leave um, this world with. And I've been so fortunate to have all these amazing mentors and leaders in my life that have really molded me to become the person that I am today. And these beauty school students, they need that. They need somebody who's going to step up and say, you know what? Grab onto my hand. Let's go. I'm going to show you all the different things that you could do in this career to be successful. It's such a shame knowing the statistics of 
95% of beauty school students that graduate within five years are not using their license anymore. People still want to get their hair and their makeup done. We just really need to change the mindset and the dialogue around the beauty industry and what it takes to be successful. And no, it's not always around money per se, um, but I think that's a huge portion that we need to have that discussion. And, you know, all the different things that it takes to be successful in this industry are so far beyond just doing good hair and doing good makeup. You know, I think that it's, it's our turn that those who have gone before us need to really showcase what it does take to be successful in this industry. And it's about the proper planning, the right strategies, always having mentors, always educating yourself, you know. 20% of our industry is going to go for that dream and go for that goal. And those are the people I'm speaking for. The other 80% that are just kind of uh, wandering around, you know, I'm not talking to them, you know, and, but if somebody of that 80% hears what we have to say, and we, we can instill some inspiration and some guidance to them and, and corrects their, their course and their life then then we should do it. And that's that's why I do what I do. And I do it with great passion, as you can hear. I love that. And do you ever have someone that you meet that is going on that journey and you know in your heart it's not a good trajectory for them to, to go down that road? Or do you coach them into being prepared for it? Like how, how do you handle that when you just look at it and say, this is not the right kind of person to handle this next step? as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to, I think that it's really important in business and in life that you're doing things with your eyes wide open. And, you know, a, a lot, some of my flaws, I have many flaws, but some of them are I'm overanalyzing things, but I do believe that if you're going to make a huge investment, you know, that you have to really sit back and think about why am I doing this? How am I going to leave an impact? What is this going to do for my family? How much time? How much money? We're, we're going through the, the steps of like really analyzing and breaking this down of, am I capable of doing this? And I think that you have to, one, commit to it and believe that you are capable of doing it. But at least going through these motions that I have in, in my, my online course is that you will get that clarity. And the clarity doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to do this. The clarity might might be, you know what, this is not the right path for me. And that is okay. Salon ownership is definitely not for everybody. And there's a lot of salon owners that are probably wishing they never were a salon owner, wanting to close their business or realizing I'm not good at this. I was much better just behind the chair. Um, you know, so it, it just really depends on uh, that person's um, why they're wanting to do it. And um basically their vision for their life. I mean, I, I think that's super important that we have at least a five-year vision, you know, of if we open up a salon, this is what it's going to look like. We're pointing in the exact direction that we want to take our career, take our life, take our business. And that way we can plan the right steps to get us to that, that vision and that end goal. I love that. I'm a big fan of the E-Myth and in the e-myth, they say, you know, most businesses begin because the person who does the service that the business is going to, you know, have 
is the busiest person doing that service. And that's usually the case in our industry. Like when you opened your salon, you probably had the strongest book in the salon that you were working in. And you get to the point where you say, I can do this. I have this big clientele. So for me, one of my favorite lines in the E-Myth is um, you're a, um, what's the word? A technician. You're a technician who had an entrepreneurial seizure. (laughs) He says says it that way because you're like, oh, I do this so good. Why not be my own boss and do it for myself? And what we don't realize is you started this podcast saying we wear a lot of hats when we're the owner. And if I could do it all over again and start fresh, if tomorrow was the first day of me opening a salon, the first thing that I would do is I would only allow myself two days a week on the floor doing hair, three at the most. I went in guns a blazing, five, 12 hour days, you know, doing the packed schedule because you don't know any different. You were doing that for however long before you opened your salon and you just keep squeezing one more in, staying, coming in early, staying late and you're on this treadmill where it's like the hamster wheel of just every day is Groundhog Day. You just keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And then you're like, oh, great. Now I have a salon. Let me keep doing it, doing it, doing it. And what you don't realize is the inventory, the payroll, the hiring, the training, the staff meetings, the all of the things. And then there's no time for that. And then your time becomes an hourly rate. You know, you know what you can produce behind the chair in that hour versus an hour doing inventory. And then you have to start hiring people to do the minutia that you don't have time to do, but then you don't have a handle on it. And then your inventory is out of control, your payroll is out of control. And all of a sudden, your whole world is turned upside down because you're trying so hard to keep that income coming in behind the chair. So that's where that and not letting go of control and hiring an assistant are my two things that I would do differently. I was a really good mentor and a really good teacher, but I never let my assistants get their hands in my client's hair. I would Mm. say I'm doing this because, but I never would say here, you put a couple foils and let me watch you. Um, And I think that would have been more effective. I always got caught in my head at what the client was thinking that they were paying my prices as a senior experienced stylist. And now they have this newbie out of school doing the back of their hair. I, I wouldn't like that as a client. So I would always get into my head that a client would be upset about that where I don't really think that they would. I think that they saw me standing right there and they saw how much I cared about that education and, and that person's journey. I think that they would almost feel like they're part of something that they were helping someone. So I think if I would have finessed the delivery maybe a little bit better. I could have done a lot better, quicker mentoring to those people that stood by my side and had them learn quicker, faster and gotten behind the chair quicker. Yeah, I definitely think that that the traditional salon model of the way that a lot, a lot of salons are doing, it's not going to work moving forward. It's not sustainable anymore. It's not fun. I think it's boring. And I told myself, I don't, I don't want my salon to be like that. I don't want the interns to feel that way. I don't want the clients to feel that way. And so I I love the fact that you did say that about the things that you would do a little bit differently. And by all means, I don't have all the answers, but I know that what has worked for myself and that's what I teach. Um, And I also teach two of the things that I made that mistake. I would not do that again. 
and, and course correct. You know what? And because I'm the boss, I, I can change my mind. <laughs> I can change the decisions of how we do things. Um, and I love when my interns and my staff, when we're all working on a client, our clients love it. They feel like a celebrity at the salon. We've got two people doing their hair. Someone's giving them a hand massage. Somebody else is talking about, let's schedule your next appointment. Let's set you up with your products. I mean, this client feels like a diva and the energy and the morale inside the salon is just on fire. Um, and it's important that we just are trying to do something different. And I believe it's all about how do we package it? How do we present it? So it is really exciting and pampering. It's fun. I mean, our industry is so fun and we have to bring the fun back. Absolutely. I love that. And I love, I, I had started down a road right before I um, actually moved to another state and, and left the salon behind because I was completely thousand percent burned out of it all. Um, I wanted to teach more than I wanted to do behind the chair. So I had this bright light bulb idea, actually Van Council. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has an amazing business. I think he's Atlanta. Um, he put a, um, a junior stylist type uh, workshop salon in the upstairs of his existing salon. So clients that don't want to pay the uh, more upscale prices go to the new talent version of the salon because they know he has a great reputation and he wouldn't let anything bad happen to them. But it is someone who is in the first you know year or so of their career. So I was like, that is genius because you and I know how hard it is to hire an experienced stylist and put them right behind the chair. They, there's that learning curve time. And if they come with a book, then you're poaching up from other salons and that's never good for karma or anything else. So you're kind of in this in-between stage. So I was like, that is so smart because you're taking them right out of beauty school. But to your point, they're not folding towels and sweeping hair and wasting time. They're actually getting their hands and hair at a price point where the client knows that they're not, you know, 10 years in, in experience, but they also know that there's somebody there with them making sure everything goes well. So I started down that road. I hired an architect. I was, you know, going to do all these things to the building and do it. And I was talking to my life coach during a session. And I'm right in the middle of it all. Like I had thrown so much money into this expansion. And I said to her, if I have to stand there and say to somebody one more time, you know, don't just grab a 7N and put it in as a low light unless you want the hair to look like the color of a mouse. If I have to say that one more time, my head's going to explode because I had trained so many people. And I said, and I don't know what to do about this project upstairs. It's overwhelming me. And she goes, you know what to do. And I was like, no, I don't. I wouldn't be telling you if I knew what to do. And she said, no, you know, and you just said it in, in this session. So she recorded all of our sessions and she knew exactly where I said that about the 7N. But talking to you right now, I'm getting refired up again, thinking, this is something that I need to do now. When I had the idea to do it, I was already overwhelmed with the everyday doing clients 12 hours a day, you know, five days a week, flat out booked, thinking that I would have the time to mentor these people upstairs. What the hell was I thinking? Like that was a recipe for disaster. But now that I'm full-time education, how cool would it be 
to have a workshop where, you know, someone right out of school comes and spends two weeks straight working on models in a real life salon setup where the guest is paying to be a guest, but having supervision and getting all that out of the way before they get behind a chair. So it's almost like a speed, a speedy training instead of working at a salon for two years and watching, and then maybe doing a, a client here and there, getting it all done in this like intensive two week period. You now you have my wheels turning. Thanks, Jen. I was having a relaxing life in Florida doing my virtual <laughs> education, but so many people have reached out and said, can I come and work with you for the day? And I'm like, I'm not in the salon. I would love to have you, but I'm not in a salon. So I said, I can go to a salon and we can work together for a day, but there's nothing to watch because I'm not doing hair on the regular. So that's, that would be a really exciting thing to do because I do have a passion for getting past a lot of the fluff that's not needed to get that experience, especially when it comes to hair color. So. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, my thought process is education never stops. So why not do a fast track program for these beauty school students that graduate that they, they want to do hair. They want to be busy. That's what they want. They want to feel a part of a team. And if you're just constantly tossing them into the break room or whatever your laundry room is, then they don't feel like they are valued. So I really want to, you know, change the, the dialogue and the mission that I have for, for training these new hires. And, um, and so far it's, it's working and it's in, you know, my goal as a salon owner is I'm the leader. First and foremost, foremost, I need a lead. My last thing that is on my list, honestly, is just doing the hair. You know, I do not have that as a priority. My priority is leading my team and coaching them to be the best stylist, best esthetician, best makeup artist that they can become. And I always tell them, you know, I work for you. I am your biggest fan, your biggest cheerleader. I am always here for you. And so we meet one-on-one -on -one every single week and um, basically talk about what is our goals? What is our, our vision? What are you struggling with? And, you know, from, for the most part, I, you know, they, they feel important and they feel wanted and needed at the salon. Um, and so hopefully I can continue to sustain that, um, that mission and mentality. That's amazing. And it's so true, the difference between being a boss and being a leader. Um, there's so many different styles of leadership, but to have them feel like they are part of something and that they have buy-in and weigh-in and you're, you're checking in with them, doing that weekly one-on-one. -on -one. I stopped doing group salon meetings years ago. I always felt like people were there under duress because they either had to come in early, lose out on time, to produce money behind the chair or come in on their day off or stay late. So no matter what of those scenarios you look at, they're annoyed that they're sitting there listening to blah, 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 blah. So I started doing a written, just a newsletter type thing. And I put it on their chair every Monday. So that was like the Monday bulletin. It was like, this is what's going on. Read it at your leisure so that you're part of the communication, but I'm not going to make you sit through, you know, a boring staff meeting where, you know, you, you don't, they don't stick up for or say what they're really thinking because everybody else is in the room. So I love that you're doing the one-on-one -on -one, um, time spent individually. I think that makes for a much better relationship between the owner and the employee. That's amazing. 
Hey, that's fun that you uh, said that about the meetings, because that was the one thing um, that really drove me crazy. Like, it was like every month I felt like there was a meeting and the meetings were so, they were boring. They occupied my time. I felt like there was no, why are we, why are we here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was this meeting about? It was, it was just like, oh, it was like, I wanted to just pull my hair out. And so for for us, for our meetings, yes, we do our one-on-one meetings and we have a list of things, you know, do you need a therapy session? Do you want to do a hands-on session? Do we need business coaching? What do you need from me? Um, and then for our group meetings that we have, um, I don't know if, if it's just the hairstylist in me, but like I, I take them to the wine bar and we have wine and we sit down and we like hash out all the things that we got to talk about for 30 minutes. And then we just eat and have fun. Um, our last meeting, we had, um, uh, this, this, uh, artisanal pizza deliver food. And then we went to a, um, escape room, you know, to do some, some team building, you know, I just, I want to bring the fun back to, to being a salon owner and working at a salon as a team. You know, I think that's, that's so important to like, I I tell them non-negotiable, your team is everything. You are not in competition with these people. These are the people that you rely on to pick you up when you fall. And I think that that, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm a big fan of um, having something that helps you stand out in the salon, especially in a busy salon with a lot of other stylists that are all doing the same things. And, you know, I'll say, when I'm coaching my members, I'll say, if there is a service that you absolutely cannot stand doing, stop doing it and find the person in your salon that loves doing that service because chances are she's doing something you love that she hates doing. So to your point, stop looking at each other as competition and look at the collaboration. Like if I never picked up a blow dryer again, it would be too soon. Like I absolutely... I'm terrible at blowing out hair. I don't enjoy it. I dread it. I'm t- I'm so slow at it. Menopause doesn't help. I'm sweating, you know, I'm <laughs> just trying, but it's so hot. And I'm just like, when is this going to end? So I set up my second salon as completely departmentalized where I did nothing but color. They did the, the cut and the blowout and everyone wins because they would crap their pants when they saw a corrective color walk in the door where I would do the happy dance with the color and think, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to blow that head out. She looks like Medusa. So we both were happy. We both got to do what we wanted to do. So definitely having that team. I'm concerned. I think the suites are great for a more established person who's busy, busy, busy doing their own thing. They're in their little zone of genius in the salon. They kind of don't even have time to do any team things because they're so busy behind the chair. That's who I see the suite being a good fit for. But a lot of people in the suites, from what I'm hearing, are missing that team camaraderie and that feeling of having somebody compliment your work, bouncing an idea off of them, having them help you when you're in the weeds, hold up the hair when you're rinsing the foils, pitch in and help you catch up. Like that's something that I think I would really miss if I was alone in a suite at this stage. And, you know, like I said earlier, um, in my journey, of, I, there was a falling out basically of the place that I worked at, unfortunately for 11 years. And it was always like drilled in me that salon suites are bad, you know, like they're just, it's not good for our industry, you know? So 
walking into a salon suite, I kind of had this like guilty feeling, like, I can't believe I'm doing like, this is like shameful for the industry. But now that I obviously have gone through it, I have so much more respect and understanding of the salon suites and it is not easy. And it definitely was not for me. Um, I did not like the salon suite environment. Uh, it was only probably about six months after being in a salon suite that I was like, I'm hiring somebody. Like, I, I don't want to be alone. I need somebody to mm-hmm. help me. I, I, I want to talk to somebody about my guests and the color I did or, you know, it, when you love education and you love teaching, it's like, you know, I get so fired up when I see that I have a one-on-one with, with my interns. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I love that more than I love doing hair. And so I feel like I'm definitely in that sweet spot there. But yeah, as far as like the salon suites go, we are going to be seeing quite a bit of some change happening from salon owners wanting to stop doing salon ownership. They're going to go into either booth rentals or salon suites. Those who have been in salon suites that are like, oh man, I wish I was an employee during that shutdown and I could have maybe had gotten those benefits unemployment benefit, of yeah. unemployment, right? Or the fact that like, hey, that was really scary. And I don't have a, um, I, I don't have six months cushion of payment. It would have been so much easier to have somebody else have all that responsibility. And as a salon owner, I need people like that who would re- rely on me to help them in the tough times. And so I think that we are going to see a lot of different shifts happening. And I think that there's going to be a need for all of those places. Salons, salon owners that are good leaders, we need them. We need these companies because the beauty school students need that direction, need that leadership. Otherwise, uh, you know, that, that, that 75%, what is it? 75% that uh, doesn't, do not use their um, license. That's just going to keep on increasing because the beauty school students will feel the heat of this is a lot harder. And they don't have the right mentorship and the leadership to get them to that next level. They'll they'll realize that clients are not flooding to them, even if they have 100,000 followers on social media. I'm sure you've seen on social media how many many influencers are saying, I'm opening up my books and I've got time Mm -hmm. to take you. That vanity number does not equal success. It does not equal money in their pocket. So I think that there needs to be a good reality check that we're presented back into the beauty schools. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, there are people I've been hearing people cause I coach people on what it takes to open up a salon. Why is it so important that you have a plan? So you're not the one who's slaving behind a chair doing all the hair because you want to make all the money so you can pay for everything. Like mm-hmm. we've got to shift that mentality, come up with a different strategy and plan. And I, I think that there are some great people out there that are destined to open up a salon and be successful in that. And we need those people. I love that you say intern and not assistant. I love there's something magical about changing your verbiage. It sounds right off the bat with that title that you are interested in their success and that there's a strong mentorship there. Just using that word intern versus assistant is amazing. I love that. Yeah. We, and even in the beginning, we have them assist us for like two weeks and maybe it's me, but I'm like, I can't handle this. Like you got to start working on people. (laughs) So I'm like, either 
I'll have like, you know, one of my interns foil one side of their head. I'm going to foil the other, but I would rather them work on mannequins, work on models right away. And I know that they're not going to be good. I don't hire for talent. I hire based on their personality. You know, are you fun to work with? Um, do you have that, that personality that it, it takes to be successful in this industry? And I'm a softie, I'm sensitive. And like, I want to give everybody a shot because somebody gave me a shot and I probably didn't deserve it when I was really young and dumb. And somebody gave me that opportunity and coached me and mentored me and it helped me to get to where I am today. And so if I can do that for other people as well, then, you know, that's going to be my purpose in life. Well, that's amazing. I love that you're taking it full circle and giving it right back and coaching and mentoring others. That's amazing. So tell people how they can get more of you. If they're looking to open a salon and they want to be coached, um, how can they get in touch with you? Where do you want to send them to get more of Jennifer? Awesome. Yes. I would love you guys to come check out me on my podcast at the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. Um, Elaine, I can give you a, um, a salon business checklist. So if any of your listeners are thinking maybe salon ownership is something I, I want to do, I've got a free checklist of all the things that they need to have their ducks in a row prior to opening up their door. Um, and I can have a, a link uh, for you, for your listeners, if they are interested in that. Um, I've got a course coming up launching April 12th called the Pivot to Profit Roadmap. It is more of your sexy business plan roadmap on what it takes and and what you need to have in place prior to opening up your salon for success. That's amazing. I will definitely add that to the show notes for sure. Jennifer, thank you so much. You and I could probably talk for another four hours. Um, (laughs) we're We're so blessed to be in such a great industry that allows for so much creativity and just constant pivoting and growth and watching, you know, your interns blossom is so exciting. And I love that you're coaching. I love your podcast. So thank you for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed, I enjoyed this chat a lot. Thanks, Elaine. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening and check out the show notes to get in touch with Jennifer. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.